Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. The current account has a way of upsetting legislators, and the record trade deficit with China has caused many in Congress, especially Senators Charles Schumer and Lindsey Graham, to propose drastic protectionist measures to safeguard the American way of life from the relentless might of China's economy. Is China a threat to the United States? Vice President for Academic Affairs James Dorn attempts to dispel this myth in today's podcast. What is in the bill that Senators Schumer and Graham have proposed? The Schumer-Graham bill basically proposes a unilateral tariff on all Chinese imports of 27.5%. Unless China revalues its currency, the yuan, by 27.5% over roughly about a two-year period, this bill is both unrealistic and dangerous. It's unrealistic because it's never going to be passed. It's highly protectionist. But it's also dangerous because it sends a dangerous message. What the senators have to realize is that closing China's external markets will also weaken internal reform. And they don't seem to appreciate that. In fact, the senators just recently visited China for the first time. They had never seen or been in China before. And they were very impressed with what's going on. And they backed off their proposal, but now they're going to reintroduce it uh, apparently the end of September. And what would be the consequences of the kinds of policies that the senators advocate? Well, what this would do, and of course, its likelihood of passing is very small if non-existent, but if it were to be passed, what it would do is really revert to a destructive protectionist type policy, increase the prices of Chinese goods to the U.S. consumers, and therefore hurt the very low-income people that typically buy a lot of these goods. And it would uh, sever U.S.-China relationships, embolden the Communist Party in China, especially the hardliners, and slow liberalization. So there's really no benefits to this bill. So I take it that you don't see China as a threat? No, I don't see China as a threat. It's a, a rising normal power, and it's gaining economic power, uh, which is not a bad thing. It simply means that the economy is growing. People are uh, rising out of poverty. Since 1978, China has basically taken the road of peaceful development as compared to an earlier time during the Maoist regime where everything was politicized, uh, people had virtually no freedom. So economic liberalization has given a lot of people in China greater freedom, perhaps not political freedom, but they're certainly freer than they were during the Mao regime. How can Congress and the United States in general help China along the way to greater economic liberalism and especially personal freedom? Well, the first thing Congress can do is continue the policy of engagement rather than to embark on this uh, destructive protectionism. And second, and most important, we should follow our own principles of economic liberalism and basically get our own house in order by limiting the size and scope of government rather than simply preaching to China about letting their exchange rate appreciate to make U.S. products more competitive. We have to look at the larger picture. The exchange rate in China is undervalued. There's no question about it. But simply allowing the exchange rate to appreciate is not going to solve all the U.S. problems with respect to our twin deficits, both the fiscal deficit and the trade deficit. And trade deficits are not necessarily a problem because trade is mutually beneficial. So people gain from trade. If China wants to underprice its products, uh, U.S. consumers gain. We don't, we're not harmed by that. The Chinese people are basically harmed by uh, China's policies, uh, not the U.S. consumers. So why does the current account deficit irk legislators so much? Well, because it's a sort of a mercantilist mentality that uh, legislators still seem to think that a trade surplus is good and a trade deficit is bad. 
the mirror image of the trade deficit is a current account surplus. So as long as people want to invest in the United States and see us as a good venue for investment, and that will remain true as long as our property rights are secure and we have a rule of law and so forth, there's nothing wrong with that. And, of course, certain manufacturing jobs may be lost to competition, foreign competition, but manufacturing jobs are also lost because of technological advancements and so forth. And uh, we know that U.S. manufacturing output actually continues to increase at about 5% a year for the last year or so. So it's a natural course of events that China has a comparative advantage in certain products, and other nations do, and the U.S. has comparative advantage in other products. So the fact that jobs are changing is a good thing. It, it shows that we have a dynamic economy. But politicians typically look at who's harmed rather than where the benefits are. The benefits are spread over the entire population. The harm is done to a few industries like textiles and so forth. But those industries have been in long-term decline, and that's basically due to unionization, changes in technology, and so forth. And you can't blame that on China. Is there a way to reconcile sound economic policy towards China with the concerns of those Americans working in the industries most hurt by China's imports and its monetary policies and its general economic might? Again, our general approach should be one of economic liberalism, and that will benefit uh, the United States over the long run. Economic freedom is a good thing uh, for people. What's the alternative to move towards a protectionist uh, society and a closed society? I don't think so. We're much better off with a strong economic society in China, with robust economic growth in China. Certainly if China were enmeshed in poverty, had no economic growth, the Communist Party would be much stronger and it would be more of a threat to us. So China will not be an uh, inevitable enemy if China continues to liberalize. If it backtracks, and it may backtrack if the U.S. engages in this type of Schumer-Graham legislation that is designed to isolate the United States and isolate China. So we need to take basically a market liberal viewpoint, and everybody in the United States may not benefit from it. People are gaining and losing all the time for different reasons. But in general, what's the alternative? That's the best policy in terms of freedom and prosperity for the long run. Just to segue into a slightly different topic, why hasn't economic liberalization in China led to political reform? Well, economic liberalization has not led to democracy, that's true. But economic liberalization has certainly limited the power of government. You've got a huge non-state private sector in China, which never existed before about 1980 or so. And this presents a challenge for the Communist Party. So when China liberalizes its economy, the economic space opens, but civil society also starts to develop. And there is a, a growing civil society and a middle class in China. So they have a long way to go in terms of human rights, but they have made progress. So we should recognize that progress and not be unrealistic. It's going to be a very slow progress. And what's more important than democracy, from my opinion, is limited government. Hong Kong has not had democracy. It's, it's emerging now, and they should have democracy. People have the right to vote and choose their leaders. But limited government first, and then eventually China will decide, its people will decide what type of political regime they want to have. And I think that's the route they have to go, and the U.S. government cannot force that. It's the Chinese people themselves that will have to make that uh, decision. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.